Well, hello, my friends. It's Ryan J. Pelton from The Art of Paying Attention, where paying attention is our proper and endless work. So glad that you are here and wanted to say hello, wanted to reacquaint ourselves. It has been a minute since we've launched an episode, depending on when you're listening to this. My April has been crazy. Uh, I have been out of town for most of April and just getting back into things, but we have some fantastic interviews loaded up in the queue, and today will hopefully not disappoint. We have uh, Sonny Drake on the show today, and uh, I love Sonny and his story. Uh, he's a playwright from Canada, and he actually has produced a theatrical podcast around the topic of climate change, and so I'm looking forward to getting into that. I'll say more about that in just a moment. But hey, how are you doing? What are you paying attention to? What's going on in your world? It's a, a rainy spring day here in the Midwest of America, which is a normal spring. Rainy, dreary, could be warm, could be cool, could be snowing, could be who knows what. But we're here, we're alive, and I've been paying attention to a lot of things. And one of those things is actually kind of inspired by my conversation with Sonny Drake and the power of art. The, the power of storytelling, the power of making films and podcasts and painting things and writing books and beauty and goodness that in times where life feels hard and times where it feels like overwhelming, feels, how do we keep going? You feel down. There's something about art. There's something about expression. There's something about words that you need to hear, uh, well-written words, beautiful words in a, in a book or a poem that, that just do something to us. And I, and I think it's so easy to pay attention to what is not working and what is not right or what is falling apart. Um, and, and also, um, as we'll, we'll hear from Sunny too, is just the use of, of humor. There's something beautiful. There's good medicine in a cheerful heart, as the Proverbs say, uh, there's something good about laughter. There's something good about reminding ourselves that there is hope and that there is more going on than we realize. And uh, and sometimes art has to do that. Uh, a, a comedian, a, a film, a piece of art, a piece of poetry. Uh, I, I've been reading a lot of poetry more these last few years. And uh, just sometimes it's just a line. It's just a phrase. It's just a word. And it feels like that word or that phrase is your word that you need to hear, that you need to carry around for a while. And that's the the power of art. But but it's also our call is to to pay attention to these things. It's it's easy to have our attention be so wrapped up in what is broken, what is wrong, what is hurting. And, and it's not to, to ignore those things by any means, but to say, what is our attention span and and to ask ourselves uh, I've had a, a counselor and a spiritual director tell me many times uh, pay attention to what you're paying attention to you know what is what is that thing that that you have to do or, or that that conversation you need to have or that thing you need to make like what do you what are you paying attention to pay attention to what you're paying attention to and it can reveal a lot of things um, it can reveal what we're getting obsessed with or anxious over or maybe unhealthy ways. Uh, and, and maybe we're paying attention to too many things that aren't worth our attention. Maybe social media has got a hold on us and you, you're down that rabbit hole. So maybe it's shifting our attention to something else. So pay attention to what you're paying attention to. 
Well, my friends, it's so good to be back with you and to talk with Sonny Drake and to hear how art can be used to talk about big social issues and a big issue that affects us all like climate change. And so I I hope you enjoy our conversation. I think you're going to just enjoy Sonny and his perspective and his uh, passion and his um, unique story. And, uh, and also just want to say, hey, if you are been tracking with us for a while, I just want to encourage you, if you jump over to the Substack, um, all this will be in the show notes. But if you jump over to the Substack and sign up for the newsletter, I send out a newsletter every Friday, just things that I'm paying attention to. And I'd love, love for you to interact with that. Love for you to, to comment on that. Love to hear more what you're, you're interacting with, what you're paying attention to, what you're looking at. So hopefully that'll encourage you to give you all the latest updates on what's going on in the podcast and everything else. And I hope you're doing well. Hope life's good. Hope you're feeling hopeful and joyful. Hope you're making something beautiful in the world. And uh, I will see you on the other side. Well, good to have you on the show, Sonny. And, uh, you know, this is the art of paying attention. And so I always have to ask the guests, what are you paying attention to? Yeah, which is such a great question. Um, I mean, I um, have been actually doing the mindfulness-based stress reduction course, which is all about kind of trying to figure out what am I paying attention to and what's going on in my body and everything and specifically in relation to stress. And something I've been noticing is that my attention kind of, if I, if I sort of rate things on a, a stress scale from a little bit stressful to medium stressful to very stressful, bizarrely, my attention actually goes to the things that are a little bit stressful or maybe medium stressful. Um, unless the things that are very stressful have an extremely pressing thing like like, okay, there's a hurricane approaching. Um, the Those larger stress things sometimes kind of just get put a little, get sort of shoved into the background because they're often the things that are like, you know, um, very difficult to also address. Like it's really easy to pay attention to the stress of the minor stress of, I'm running out of clean socks, you know, or even the medium stress of like, okay, I've got this really major um, deadline going on. But then like, you know, what I'm really stressed about is, you know, the state of the planet and where we're at, you know, um, and the climate crisis. And it's so easy to just let that slide off my radar of attention. And in fact, I notice like constantly, you know, I'm on every kind of second climate newsletter and I open my (laughs) inbox every morning and I just glide straight past them, even though it's, you know, it's the thing that I am most stressed about. So I thought that was just a kind of, you know, um, an, an interesting thing for myself to kind of look at addressing. And in fact, is 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 really the entire reason that I'm working on this data project, Climate Change and Other Small Talk too. Yeah. And I really look forward to jumping in and hearing, hearing more about that. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Cause I think that's some of the the big themes in your life right now, obviously you're paying attention to big global crises that we all are affected by. And uh, so Sunny, uh, those that are listening, you're a playwright in Canada, I believe um, you're doing a web series. You got a podcast going, you got all kinds of things going. So um, a lot of good things to share. And I, yeah, looking forward to talking to you because um, I, it seems of late uh, I've been talking to a lot of people that are trying to address big social issues, whether climate change or politics or viruses or pandemics or, um, but one of the themes that I've been noticing is through storytelling, through art, through creativity, <laughs> not just here's the facts, here's the data, 
but what are different mediums yeah. uh, that can kind of inspire people, move people to action, help them think about these things, help them yeah. join the conversation, but doing it kind of in a storytelling backdoor way, which I, I find really fascinating because I think yeah. it's not that you know, we need more facts or data, but we need to, you know, how do we engage in maybe different creative ways? So, so before we get into all that, why don't we talk a little bit about just you, like kind of where you came from, how'd you get into kind of creative work and artistic work and uh, climate change? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, um, every time something kind of confused me or excited me, or I needed to work through something in my life, I, it's sort of, for me, kind of, spat out the sides in in performance work. So performance and theatre were really kind of, um, you know, have sort of always been my way of um, of processing the world and then communicating that uh, with other people as well. And, you know, at the time that I started um, making these um, performances and, and theatre pieces, um, well, honestly, I didn't even call them theatre at the time because I didn't really see kind of a, a place for myself within the theatre community. Things are really shifting a bunch now, but as a trans person at the time you know I would have been uh, cast in um, women's roles which you know now I would find super fun but at the time it wouldn't really have kind of resonated with um, with where I was at as a trans man and so um, I really kind of like my way into theatre then was just making work and making work um, and keeping on putting it on and um, you know I I didn't go to theatre school um, but I um, you know kind of built a, um, a enough of a body of work that then I started getting kind of institutional support and institutional buy-in and, you know, did a bunch of kind of studies in a, in a less formal way to kind of, to get to where I am today. Yeah. So what, uh, my, my wife actually is Canadian. And so, uh, she spent her younger years in Canada, uh, in a more Ontario, uh, part of Canada. Uh, but what, it, what is kind of the, um, you know, I'm curious about like the school systems and, you know, getting into like, you know, high school theater or drama or any of that, like, was that, is yeah. that, are there opportunities like as you were growing up to do those kinds of things where your family, you know, artistic, were they into theater? Like how, how did you kind of get the bug? Like where did yeah, that all yeah. kind of start? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I actually grew up in, um, in Australia. I've been in, uh, Canada for the last, uh, 12 years. Okay. But, um, yeah, growing up in Australia, I mean, I didn't come from, a, I came from a very sporty family. And in, you know, kind of in my upbringing, you were either kind of sporty or you were artsy. And, um, and I grew up in a, you know, so my family, like, certainly kind of encouraged. And I also was very, um, sporty myself. So I did kind of manage to bridge that divide of sports and arts. But yeah, my family kind of weren't particularly arty themselves, but they certainly always kind of encouraged and and supported my, you know, mm. dabbling in kind of different um, uh, performance sort of performance stuff. And and then yeah, um, as I mentioned, I kind of found a different pathway into professional theatre than um, than you know via institutions. Mm-hmm. So sorry, yeah, sorry for misunderstanding. I guess you were uh, you've been in Canada for a while, but weren't born and raised there. Um, but in the Australian, um, yeah, yeah. A part of the world, Australia, I should say. Um, what what's the art scene there? Like, is it is it similar to Canada, America? Is it different? Like, is it big, small? Kind of. I know it's you know not as many people, but yeah. I mean, I I mean, it, yeah, it's definitely sort of um, 
like, uh, you know, there's lots of really amazing and interesting stuff going on in Australia. I find if I had to compare it to Canada, I mean, it's difficult to kind of say Australia versus Canada because there's so many different kind of places. Like, for example, art coming out of um, Montreal or Quebec is very different than art coming out of Toronto, um, you know. But um, in terms of sort of art in Toronto, I would say a big um, art in Australia, there's often sort of a, a lot more of a kind of leaning towards physical, um, circusy, um, dance, uh, not entirely. I mean, there's all types of kind of art, um, experimental art, um, you know, and, you know, theatre, theatre, like play plays, um, et cetera. So, yeah, you know, um, a really wide range of stuff going on. Something that definitely kind of is, I find quite unique about um, the theatre scene and art scenes in Australia, uh, because, you know, it's such a giant continent that is kind of so far away from many other places. It means that Aussies are very... uh, very focused on touring work, whether that's touring within Australia, um, because, you know, maybe the audience sizes in in your own city aren't enough to sustain, you know, kind of a longer run of a, of a show. So touring within Australia, but then also touring overseas. So I really kind of learned then, you know, it's literally from day one of, uh, of a, a project conception for me that I start thinking about, okay, well, how would this sit in other places? Do I want this to tour? What type of venues? And that's on day one. I'm having that conversation with my designers as well is, you know, how and where is this going to have um, a, a further life? When I moved to Toronto, that was, I found really not how Torontonians thought about work at all. They really very much thought about, right, my Toronto run and Toronto, 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 um, which Toronto is fantastic. Um, it was just a, a different way of kind of approaching work from the beginning. Yeah. So tell me a little bit. So how did you end up making the shift from Australia to Toronto? Did your whole family move or were you just, this was your own adventure? No. Or? Yeah, no, I moved for love. So my partner is Canadian. And uh, yeah, I met her in Australia. And uh, it's now 14 years later. Um, and yeah, so, you know, I, I moved for love, which is, mm-hmm. you know, yep. a, a great happens. reason. <laughs> yeah, she's usually what happens. Uh, yeah. Um, and tell me, I know my aunt uh, goes up to Toronto quite a bit. She's in Michigan uh, area. So she's pretty far North and from me in the States and she does the, the Stratford, the um, Shakespeare in, in the yeah, park yeah. in the summer. Have you, have you been part of that? I heard it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually had a show. Um, oh, do you mean in, in Toronto or do you mean the actual Stratford festival in Stratford? Yeah, in, I'm sorry. I said that wrong, but in, yeah, in Toronto, the, the Shakespeare, I think it's like in the summer. Okay. Yeah. 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 Big yeah. Yep. There's in High Park. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, I haven't been involved with that per se, but the companies that run that are really great. And I thought you were talking about the Stratford Festival, which is a couple hours outside of uh, Toronto. And it, it's actually Canada's largest um, theatre and largest mm-hmm. theatre festival. There's like a couple of hundred year round staff. It's like, you know, it's a giant um, uh, company. Um, and uh, I, I had um, one of my shows premiere there last year, which was just so much fun to get to do a show with that level of resources. And um, yeah, it was a really great ride. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Uh, so uh, it seems sunny. It's, it's, you're been influenced by so many different cultures because you've 
grew up in one yeah. place, moved to another, you know, experienced different, you know, art scenes yeah. in different, different places. So that's obviously, you know, you're thinking about global, you know, when I put this, make this thing, uh, you know, how do I, how yeah. does it, how does it land with other audiences and cultures and things? Yeah. I think that's really smart. Um, it seems like you have a lot of different mediums you're, you're using. I mean, you're podcasting video, you know, live, you know, play work, all that. Yeah. Um, so, so talk us through a little bit, just kind of your inroads into these different mediums. I mean, was is this kind of been a thought out thing or is it just kind of project to project? I mean, are you thinking audience, how, how are you kind of, um, yeah. just cause you're dabbling in so many different mediums, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely, um, I've, I've always been obsessed with how to get, the content that I'm exploring to be reflected in both the form and the style of the work. So then I choose both a form and a style that um, that helps to kind of already um, speak to some of the content that, that I want to. I also kind of shifted forms a little or not shifted, but expanded during the pandemic when suddenly overnight, you know, uh, we couldn't do live theater for a whole chunk of time. And I decided sort of early on in the pandemic, okay, if I'm going to do digital work, I want it to be true adaptations into those or true creations in those digital forms rather than sort of like filming a live theater piece or, or neotaping a live theater piece. So, you know, creating and climate change and other small talk was created from scratch within mind. We're going to be listening to these audio dramas. So, you know, really working with um, each of the playwrights to go, okay, how, you know, I've, I've heard radio dramas um, described as it's like a movie for your ears. So how are we going to use sound to bring people into these rich worlds? Um, and it's actually quite amazing what you can kind of evoke with just sound and the ways that you can kind of play with the audience's imagination and ask them to get on board and then, you know, using kind of sounds um, uh, to, you know, they have to kind of fill in the blanks and they're kind of, you know, visualizing and imagining what these worlds are like based on these sounds so that's been a really um really fun you know kind of uh expansion of my work and and something i think stylistically that often ties the work together though is across most mediums i tend to use some form of satire or humor or absurdity to explore like you know, difficult topics and difficult themes. And, you know, and for me that that that's really goes back to an early creative influence of mine, which is 90s Australian cinema, um, Muriel's Wedding, The Castle, Strictly Ballroom, that really kind of uses like, you know, dials up the kind of reality, um, uses this satire to kind of take us from moments that, that are ridiculous and hilarious and as if that would ever happen, but kind of able to sort of, um, you know, uh, find a kind of truth in dialing things up. And we go from, you know, something that's hilarious to something that could actually be really quite difficult to sit with. But I really find that if we can ease audiences in using humor, they will just go so much further into the content. Mm -hmm. And so that's also, you know, the approach of climate change and other small talk is to get in sideways to kind of go, okay, you know, there's so many people like me, what I was describing earlier, who open their inbox or open the newspaper and are like, flip past it. The climate crisis is just so big and huge and terrifying. And, you know, many of us can easily kind of spiral down into a lot of anxiety and overwhelm. And so, you know, so to use kind of like something that's more enjoyable and humorous and entertaining to, you know, to draw people in for, you know, for this kind of 
fun ride that then has people also go, oh, yeah, okay, and that's the reality here. And then out on the other side with more humor and then back into, oh, okay, I'm going to sit with this and I can, you know, I can kind of turn my attention here for a little longer um, rather than, you know, sort of uh, clicking to the next email. Hmm. I think that's really, really smart because, you know, when you're dealing with really difficult subjects, you know, if there's not any kind of levity or any kind of break from it, if it's just so heavy, it's just, it's really hard to, you can't engage for too long because it's just too much. It's too overwhelming. Um, but also yeah. just the, almost the absurdity of, we have to laugh at ourselves and realize how poor of a job we've done on so many things and how we've treated each other and treated the world and things yeah. where you almost have to like, you know, it's kind of silly. Like I heard a comedian the other day talking about climate change in his, in his, in his act. And he, you know, he said, well, you know, we bought, we bought, we brought our own bags to to the store. You know, we tried, you know, it's just not working. I mean, it's just that kind of, you know, yeah, we, we're trying stuff, but, but, you know, almost the, the absurdity of like, we have to do so much more, but you know, we're trying, we, we brought our own, you know, homemade bags to, yeah, the, yeah. to, the, to the store or not uh-huh. plastic bags or whatever it is. Uh, but it was just like this moment of like, okay, yeah, this is, this is a big thing. And yet we need to laugh at ourselves sometimes. Uh, yeah. I think that's really good. And it, and it opens up, you know, ways to talk about, you know, big things and hard things. And I think just in relationships, right. It's like, you need that kind of sense of humor to kind of talk about the the serious things of life. Right. Um, Definitely. No. So, um, so let's get into that a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things I was kind of searching around, listening to part of your podcast and some of the introduction work on it. And, you know, you talked about, um, one of the things I talked about the opening of the show, the storytelling part, it's like, you know, we don't just need, you know, facts and data. Uh, we, we know those are out there. And of course we need those. I mean, in one sense, uh, but you know, storytelling, uh, uh, creativity, uh, real life people, like you said, humor. Uh, so, so talk us through like where kind of this, this idea for this podcast and this tackling this big subject, how that all kind of started brewing in you and, and how you kind of assembled this team and, and, and what it looks like. Yeah. Well, I mean, the origin story of, of this particular piece was, you know, when I decided, right, I need to start making a body of work about climate change. I, um, I got accepted into this really incredible artist residency, which was actually on a tall ship. So on a boat, a sailing boat in the, in the high Arctic. So just 10 degrees um, from the North Pole, like uh, way up north of um, Scandinavia. And on that trip, um, we went and visited the world's northernmost climate research station in New Allison and hung out with reindeer and polar bears and, okay, not too close to the polar bears, but, mm-hmm. um, and, and their um, scientists, like every day at midday, they release their weather balloon, which like, you know, collects all this and they, you know, do all these things to, to collect really important local information and data and that's like essential in kind of understanding what's going on in that local area but it's also equally essential that they then combine their data with hundreds of other weather stations right around the world and it's this really and and this is like kind of such an important part of kind of um our climate story both in terms of you know um uh, impacts but also solutions is that you know we need both kind of like coordination between you know all of us on a global scale um, and coordination between different areas but we also like the solutions also need to be hyper local it's not a one-size-fits-all approach the impacts are really different in different areas Um, and so so it's both this kind of very local and this global that's important and so then 
that kind of gave me the idea for, I went, okay, so, well, what if, what would happen if we did that with artists? So, you know, I had initially intended on writing a full length play myself, but I went, what if instead of me writing the whole play, what if like I, you know, did this podcast where we have, um, and I reached out to nine different creative teams from around the world and we're each, um, we've each made our own short episode and then kind of combining these together. So these very locally based stories and then combined together into this uh, global project. And, um, and yeah, have just had the absolute joy of working with the most amazing creative teams from around the world. Um, you know, I really picked the teams based on who had, um, you know, which teams had the skills to use um, story to, you know, dig into serious things, but with humor or, or levity of some sort or satire. Um, and also, you know, kind of really use climate justice as a principle too. So really looking at kind of the fact that the same kind of power imbalances that we find uh, you know, in, in the world and in our communities also play out on the climate stage. So, you know, there are groups of people, um, particularly uh, communities who are Black, Indigenous, um, people of colour, the Global South, uh, communities who are um, um, dealing with extreme poverty, um, et cetera, who are, are you know, facing the, the, um, the most intense, uh, are, are the most vulnerable to climate impacts. And so really kind of like, uh, you know, choosing um, uh, playwrights and creative teams who uh, were from these communities most impacted. So how, what was the, the uh, strategy for finding all these uh, very diverse groups of, of creative people around the globe? I mean, how, how do you, how do you get the word out on, on, on a project like this? I mean, is it just yeah. word of mouth networking, like people, you know, I mean, uh, all the above? Yeah. I worked with, yeah, a little bit of all of the above. I also worked with um, with a, um, an arts and theatre agent who has relationships all around the world. And, you know, we kind of strategized and then she helped, you know, because she had some of those relationships, helped reach out to some of those companies. And then, you know, for example, the company in India who we that was the first one to that we made a uh, partnership with then said, Oh, we've, you know, there's a company in Mauritius who we've worked really closely with, who we think would be interested. So a little bit of then kind of the, the networks then reached out on behalf of us too. Hmm. And, um, and four of the, four of the nine episodes also are um, uh, Canadian companies, which is, you know, sort of because I had a kind of home base in, in Canada and a lot of relationships across the country, you know, I focused on communities, uh, you know, impacted within Canada as well. So talk us about the the creation of like each episode or, or the kind of the broad vision for the, the, the podcast. I mean, you're obviously going to these folks in India and in Canada and other places, uh, sharing the vision here. Here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what, you know, we're trying to put together. How, how much, yeah. do, how much say do you have in each like episode or, or is it, do you let them kind of run with it? Do you give an outline? Do you kind of go, this is where yeah. we, want, we yeah. want to go from here to here. Yeah. Uh, t- talk us through that. Yeah. I set some, um, some particular parameters and then within those parameters, I went, 
go, you know, do your thing. And then folks showed me a draft, um, drafts and I would kind of, you know, some episodes I was more involved with than others where that was, you know, sort of either welcome or whether I felt like there was something in that episode that I was like, oh, like, you know, would you be open to kind of exploring this aspect a little more so that it helps sit within this series? And the kind of the loose parameters were um, it needed to be something in the realm of either satire or having a humorous element. Um, not necessarily laugh out loud comedy, but kind of some form of levity within the seriousness as well. Um, and secondly, that yeah, that obviously that is it's created with audio drama in mind from the start. It's not going to be a live play. It's, you know, it has to be this sonic world, these stories that are being told like, you know, in the days of kind of before TV of family sitting around the radio listening to a story or sitting around the campfire telling a story. Um, so, uh, and, and also that, um, myself and, uh, my impact producer. So, um, we, for this project, we engaged, um, an impact producer, Shaprice Henry, whose job it is to basically kind of look at the art and see how can we actually leverage this art into concrete, um, change. So really kind of being that connector point between the creation and movement movements on the ground and action that the take action piece um because often i sort of find that okay as theater people we do this you know if we do our work well then we've gotten taken the audience through this experience and gotten them to feel all of these things and you know maybe open up different ways of seeing the world and then we leave them with having all this energy and and awakenings and kind of things going on and then we just send them out of the theater and they go off into their everyday life and maybe for a day or two they're all fired up but without actually kind of giving people an outlet or a way to kind of continue on that journey we're sort of losing a bunch of that momentum mm-hmm. so um so Shaprice and I then worked on a kind of a series of sort of like provocations or prompts which were from kind of climate justice leaders around the world what are they thinking about? What are they saying? What are their priorities? And it wasn't necessarily meant, it, it was meant then for the local playwrights to sort of think about those kind of same things in a local context, but using this, this is again, that interplay between the global and the local. And um, and those prompts from climate justice leaders and um, climate movement leaders were really sort of um, uh, you know, supporting the playwrights to think on a systemic level, on a larger level. You mentioned earlier, you know, the comedian talking about, well, we've all been taking the reusable bags to the supermarket. This project is sort of really um, uh, less kind of focusing on those small individual actions and more on whole bunches of collections of individuals feeding into creating these larger systemic changes. Because, um, you know, it's it's these bigger changes, these systems of, you know, economies that see that, you know, pretend that the earth is this like, you know, um, uh, infinite resource it's those things that have gotten us into this mess. So it's actually those larger things that we need to together be working on to change. So kind of then giving this whole bunch of reading and resources and tweets and videos and everything to the playwrights to really kind of stimulate each of us to be thinking, yes, thinking on a human local scale and thinking of stories, but also thinking about what are these larger things that are shaping our individual actions. Hmm. Oh, this is really good because I, I like the way you're you're trying to kind of bridge the gap between the the creative story part 
and then the you know what's next how do we respond you know is there anything we can do what do we do as a community what do we do as individuals you know those kinds of things because um you know we can't just put the art out there and say okay you know there it is <laughs> do with yeah. do with it as you will um but yeah. i like i like that you're really thinking you know uh intentionally strategically about you know next steps uh so yeah so talk us uh, talk more about that so kind of as you you know put this all together uh and is the, the whole series is out there I, i'm I believe so. So the, whole, the series, so the series launches on Earth Day, April twenty second. Oh, yeah. the first, uh, yeah. So we've we've at the moment, um, you might have sort of heard the the secret private preview that we've uh, given to yeah. you know folks interviewing me. Uh, but at the moment, you know, people can already sign up to the newsletter, which sort of the newsletter is kind of like a curated zine of like behind the scenes of each episode there's like a discussion guide and a um, a hosting guide for people who want to host their own listening party Um, so that's all the website is launched you can read all about the playwrights and um, and the synopses of the plays there's already a take action page up etc and then from earth day april the 22nd one uh, will be dropping one episode per week Oh, perfect. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I did, I did see the kind of before behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, that's exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, depending on what people are, are listening to this, uh, it'll probably be launching around the same time this goes live, but, um, and it could be two years after, so who knows? Uh, that's the, yeah. the brilliance of podcasting, right? Um, yeah. so, uh, so what is kind of the, what is it you hope to accomplish? I know that's kind of always a, a tough question to, to answer, but you know, when you think about you know, whether it's just small steps or just aware- yeah. awareness or, you know, whatever, what, what communities do you want to see impacted or people or, uh, yeah. you know, as you kind of put this out into the world, yeah. What are you hoping for? Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping for like a number of different things with different groups of people. I really hope to, um, I mean, honestly, I don't believe in kind of the idea of preaching to the co- to the choir preaching to the converted. I think that there are a lot of people who are quote unquote converted as in, you know, most people now recognize and acknowledge there is um, a massive global scale problem that is extremely dire and that is human made uh, human cause. Like, I don't think there's, you know, there's a lot of people who are on board with, yes, this is a really big problem and we need to do something. I aimed with this series to kind of give folks who um, uh, care about these um, issues, give them both an enjoyable experience, but also a way, um, uh, a nourishing way into climate movements. So I hope that, you know, through this project, people will engage and listen rather than kind of uh, you know, flicking the the TV channel, like actually engage deeply and then, you know, visit the Take Action site and get involved with, you know, sign the petitions, join the local climate group, you know, um, start organizing your own something or rather, you know, read up and, um, and, and get informed. But more than that, then start actually um, doing a something, even if sometimes we don't quite know if we're doing the right thing. Um, so that's with sort of, you know, kind of individuals. Um, and then with, you know, I hope to kind of bridge that this project will be one of many contributions um, from, from other folks doing a similar thing to bridge the those gaps between art and activism. You know, we find often there's this, um, I would say, as I was saying before, this brilliant art that's made that then leaves audiences um, without anywhere to sort of go from there. And similarly, there are incredible um 
movement folks and organizers and activists doing really important on the ground work who could, uh, you know, be um, engaging people with a wider range of tools through using arts and and creativity, Um, you know, because I think that art has the potential to function in a complementary but very different way than uh, fact. No, I think, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think that that's the whole storytelling part. I think because we're all, you know, we're really wired to be storytellers. We tell stories, you know, when you come home from work and you talk to your, you know, partner or your, your special friend or whoever, you know, you tell a story, you don't go, here's the facts. Here's what happened today at yeah. three yep. o'clock. I, you know, it's, it's, you know, exactly. I, I encountered this person and, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's we sat around, you know, the the campfires for all of eternity, you know, telling stories of our, you know, families and things that happened to us. And, you know, um, yeah, art just opens you up, yeah. I think, in so many different ways that, it, you know, it's kind of sneaky in that way. You know, it kind of hits you in ways that you don't don't always expect it, it. Is. whether it's, yeah, podcast, film, you know, stories, novels, you know, yeah, conversation. Um, yeah, no, I think that's that's yeah. a really smart thing. I had a few, some interesting sort of aha moments about um, kind of like the role of art in, you know, um, like why art is so important through reading um, Yuval Harari's book, Sapiens, um, several years ago, and also sort of some other kind of uh, um, studies of the, of kind of human evolution. And it was really fascinating to read that, okay, you know, the changes that happened in the human brain somewhere around kind of 60,000 years ago. I mean, for starters, we became uh, our ability to communicate and our language ability became much more evolved. So we, you know, started being able to really kind of articulate things like, you know, more complex than, you know, kind of wild beast danger, stop more complex things than that like you know okay let's follow her you know she's really good at finding trails make sure you don't put those two in the same group together they're going to fight it's going to be a total disaster and kind of and and being able to communicate like that meant that sort of um groups of people could achieve more things because they could kind of cooperate more etc but that only sort of that level of communication and language you know social scientists put a number on that it maybe works for something in the range of 150 people because much more than 150 people together in a group and you can't actually our brains can't actually hold more information about the people and the relationships between the people so in order for larger groups of people to cooperate like we see today um you know and when i say cooperate i don't mean in a kind of harmonious way but to buy into particular ways that things are um for larger groups than 150 you know um we need story and that's the other fascinating thing that happened around 60,000 years ago was the human um, brain also developed the capacity for fiction or myth, like the capacity to actually imagine something that didn't already exist. Before that, we could only go, there's a tree. I see that. It's immediately in front of me. Somewhere after that period, we started to be able to go, oh, I can imagine you know, something that is not right in front of me or not right there. And so now, you know, fast forward all these um, many, many years later, and now I can literally walk into a store with a piece of plastic or a piece of paper, hand it over, 
and I get given food in exchange, like money or credit cards. Like there is nothing real about the money or credit cards or innate that says I should therefore be able to be given, you know, an apple in exchange for this piece of paper. That's a story that we've invented. That's a fiction. Um, and so, you know, and how we have ended up having such an outsized impact on the earth and achieved both incredible, amazing, beautiful things, but also really difficult and destructive things is we've managed to get hundreds and thousands and millions and billions of people to believe in these particular stories, you know, like the story of money or even the story of uh, climate change is too big for us to deal with. Uh, let's just switch off. Or the story of, you know, in some groups of people, um, the story of uh, climate change is not real. I mean, not many people actually kind of believe that anymore. That's been very sort of debunked. But the point being, like, it's these kind of, it's these larger stories that we've created that actually enroll hundreds of thousands of people in making them a reality. Mm -hmm. So then the role of the artist is actually quite profound. It's like if we can work with this kind of very human impulse towards imagining things, telling things, and then making them happen, then, you know, it's pretty profound um, to to then work with, okay, what are the stories that we're telling ourselves? What are the stories that we could tell ourselves and enroll each other in? Yeah. And I I think there's also that other level of naming or trying to describe or um, what we're feeling or what we're experiencing or the pain, but we don't, we don't know how to get it out there. We don't know how to, but then you see a story or you engage with it and it it gives you language for your own kind of like, what am I dealing with? Or what am I, how should I feel about this? Or, you know, or this kind of rumbling deep down where you go, yeah, things aren't great maybe in the, in the global climate reality, but like, what's a way to kind of, oh, I'm feeling that same thing. And then, oh, you, so are you. And oh, so are you. And I, I think that's how yeah. we connect around, you know, common you know, whether it's a film that just kind of speaks to a, a, a big group yeah. of people or a play yeah. or, you know, yeah. it is, it is fascinating how that kind of ripples, ripples through, you know, um, yeah. like yeah. I, uh, I, I was trying to describe to someone, I don't know if you've ever read station 11, um, or seen the the show, but yeah, I, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's just this unique, you know, and end times, if anyone hasn't seen, it, we won't spoil it, but they're, they're basically trying to keep art alive after the end of the world. And, yeah. you know, wh- why would this group of people try to keep Shakespeare going and why would they, you know, waste their time? And you, you realize though, but this is what art does. It's, it, we lose something when we lose these stories or we stop making sense of ourselves because in those stories are ourselves and in, in those stories are, um, you know, I just was recently in Stratford actually in, um, in, uh, in Europe and went to a Shakespeare, uh, King, uh, was it King Henry the third, is it third? Yeah. Um, the, the Shakespeare play and, you know, and you, you see the story and you go that this is very relevant till today. This is what can happen when power corrupts. This is what can happen when we, you know, think that the whole world revolves around our, us and, and our own power and our own, you know, control, but you see yourself in that. Like I can, I could end up there in a small scale. I could, you know, go there, but that's what, but that's what good stories do. You know, that's what they, mm-hmm. they, they draw out something, you know, and they, they, they force us to deal yeah. with how things really are, you know, and they do it in a back in, yeah. a, in a healthy kind of backdoor way too. Like you said, like trying to use humor, trying to use podcasts or trying to use, you know, uh, where it's, it's, uh, not as, you know, here's the facts, just believe the facts and, you know, 
I mean, that rarely gets people that excited, <laughs> you know, um, to read something and go, yeah. Oh, that's probably yeah. a problem, you know? Yeah. 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 And really, you know, like you said, sort of touching on these kind of um, themes that can often be timeless and, you know, really resonate with ourselves. And I would say also kind of really touching on and drawing out values. And I think that actually, you know, um, we are sort of made to be more divided than we really actually are or need to be. I think that like a lot of people have, you know, more in common on a values level than what we often sort of uh, realize and what something, you know, politically that, um, you know, I've heard people talking about and been really noticing is the ways that, um, you know, for example, the right, are really much more effective at the moment of um, uh, tapping into values, but then manipulating and using those values to kind of create divisions that actually don't need to be there. And we're really seeing this kind of play out, for example, in the moment in the US and also beyond around, you know, the anti-trans hysteria that's being whipped up where I don't think that most people hate or fear or, or, you know, really have, you know, an opinion either way about trans folks, but the right has really kind of cottoned on and gone, oh, we can tap into like people's value, which is keeping our families safe. And all of us want our families to be safe across any area of the political spectrum. And then kind of utilizing that value and then spreading a whole lot of misinformation. And but in a story way, you know, uh, uh, pretending these are facts, dressing up um, stories as facts, spreading all of this misinformation, which then creates this kind of these divides and, and tensions. Um, when in fact, at the heart of that is a value and at the heart of that is protecting families and protecting families actually means, you know, uh, standing up for trans rights, because most of us in our families and our extended families have some connection in some way, shape or form to transness or, you know, uh, non-binary communities. We may not know it and we may not think that, um, you know, people may not think they have that connection to, but that's because, you know, a lot of people are kind of having to be uh, quiet about because, you know, about their trans identities or their trans friends or the trans pastor that they know or the etc so you know so i think um uh in terms of kind of our role as storytellers is also really to understand uh what the kind of value base is and then you know um bring use stories to kind of connect people rather than um divide people you know um uh, like that yeah, and I wonder just along these same lines. I wonder too. You, know, you and I are both in the West, so a little different culturally than other parts of the world. But um, it seems we're, we're hyper individualized and hyper. Um, we don't think in terms of community by nature or anyone outside of my own sphere, my own family, my own partner, my own friends. Uh, other cultures, Africa, India, Asia, they just think in terms of we. They think in terms of you know, how, how does this affect the whole, not just my own individual rights? And I think sometimes in these, these hard conversations, especially around politics, we just have no concept of, of how this affects someone else, <laughs> you know, other than my own, you know, my own need or my own 
problem or my own, you know, especially because I think all the, you know, I'm in the state. So, you know, the, all the politic, all the rhetoric, it's very just like, what's in it for me and how's it going to affect me? But we don't think about our neighbor. We don't think about our communities. Um, have you found that true just in the, in the climate conversations, just in other cultures, just, you know, thinking, is it easier for them to think in terms of us, um, not just my own, you know, with the, how this affects me or is that, am I just kind of crazy? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think that's certainly something that I've really learned from Indigenous cultures all around the world as well is, um, you know, is that sort of real relationship both to between, you know, people within community and also um, a very different relationship than what I grew up with to land to, um, you know, earth um, and land and, you know, sort of extending that relationship beyond me and my nuclear family to mm-hmm. also considering my family is also um, birds and trees and all of the other things that make up this ecosystem that if we, you know, harm and damage those things, we're also, that's going to, that's going to like eventually collapse in on my little nuclear family as well so yeah that's you know certainly kind of something that you know I've really had to sort of challenge and learn from yes from indigenous um uh cultures around the world and um and and yeah you know um also just kind of getting present to I don't, you know, to the ways that that has been created in me and created in, in my, um, there's nothing sort of inherent about, you know, about that individualist individualized kind of way of seeing things. That's something that has been manufactured and created. And so that's kind of the good news is like, if that's been manufactured and and created, then we can create something different and, you know, lift up indigenous knowledges and ways of doing things. Um, you know, that's the great news. And the not so great news is that's, that's really challenging to do. And that's where, you know, kind of, um, we need to be, you know, like dealing with, with climate themes is so much more than, you know, kind of about, uh, things that kind of fit within climate science. It's also a lot about, how are we treating each other? How do we make decisions? How do we, you know, conceive of our, ourselves as part of this larger ecosystem? And, um, you know, we've we got a lot to figure out, but we've also got a huge amount of solutions already. Most of the solutions that we need are already there. It's, um, you know, a small group of people who, you know, is determined to hang on to an outsized share of resources, who have really kind of, you know, used those resources to to manipulate so many of us into not taking action, into just, you know, kind of uh, being complacent. So, you know, but that's the great news is that we actually already have a lot of these solutions that we need. Well, Sonny, this has been a fantastic conversation, and uh, and I don't know if you would call yourself an artist who's an activist or an activist artist. Um, I don't know what you have in store beyond uh, your podcast. I know this is this is hot off the presses, so it's you know not even launched as we're talking, but it will be soon. We'll put that all in the show notes so everyone can find your work and what's going on and get on the newsletter and all that good stuff. Um, I mean, do you see? Uh, are you hoping to do more projects like this? I mean, to raise, you know, awareness on different subjects or, or climate and just different mediums, just keep kind of going down that, yeah. 
you know, and I, and I hate asking this question when something's so new and yeah. you're just kind of getting it out. You're like, yeah, yeah I just, I just yeah. need a nap right now. So, uh, especially yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I think things yeah. are, are, are new. So, uh, but yeah, what's, what's kind a of naps next? would be nice too. Yeah. yeah naps would be good, um, right, right. but I'm also, um, I'm, I'm already sort of conceiving my next, um, uh, climate related work and uh and two of my other theater pieces as well men express their feelings and every little nookie both comedies i'm um currently adapting into uh tv pilots so nice. um you know kind of really expanding into um into tv writing as well okay well sunny tell us uh where to find you how to get on the newsletter what's the the best way social media yeah. the whole thing we'll put it all in the show notes yeah, yeah. Well, so particularly, you know, this project, Climate Change and Other Small Talk, um, if you, uh, that's the website address, climatechangeandothersmalltalk.com, climatechangeandothersmalltalk.com. Um, you can also search um, that on any of the podcast platforms and subscribe directly on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and if you type um, the domain address in, there's also... Um, there's the spot to sign up to the newsletter. There's, you know, all sorts of things like how to host your own listening party. There's behind the scenes with the creative teams. There's a take action page. And then there's also um, a link to my broader website, which has um, a bunch of my other projects on it as mm-hmm. well. Well, sorry, this is, this is so great. And I'm so thankful to have you on the show. And uh, I it's really, been great. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, And I really think the work you're doing is important. And I think you really helped a lot of people just to think through art and activism and big issues and not to be scared of those things, but you know, we all can play our part and uh, yeah. And all the best, man. And I look forward to sharing awesome. this with, with the world. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast, Ryan. You bet. Well, there you have it, my friends, Sonny Drake. I will put his website in the show notes and you can go find his podcast, the things that he's making, the things that he's doing. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. One of the things that I'm convinced of more and more is just how art can speak to truth, can speak to issues. Humor can speak to those things too, but there's just different ways that we can get big messages, big ideas, uh, big conversations, get big conversations going. And I think a lot of times it's art that does that. When we sit with art, when we see a painting or we, we hear a podcast or we uh, read a book or watch a film, it's, it's just, it kind of begins that, that conversation. And, and Sonny really believes that, that art can do that and ha- have us have those bigger conversations around big issues. Uh, so Thank you, Sonny, for coming on the show. And before we go, hey, if you get a chance and you enjoy this podcast and you've been tracking with us for a while, tell your friends. Word of mouth still works. Also, one way to get the word out and one way to get the show out in the world and into more ears is leave a a rating, a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps us out a lot. And as I said earlier, hey, jump on the newsletter, the Substack. Um, I got essays on there, podcasts, uh, and I also do a, a weekly newsletter, seven things I'm paying attention to. So get on that list, stay updated on the, all the latest. And if you have anyone that you want me to talk to, if you have anyone you want me to interview, uh, a, any creative person doing great work in the world, doing interesting things, anyone that you think pays attention to some important things, please send them my way. Send me an email. You can reach me through the Substack. not hard to find. And uh, I will track them down and uh, we'll, we'll do a little chitty chat. How about that? Uh, So I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening in 
Thank you for coming along for the ride. And before I go, go make some beautiful art with your life. And I will talk to you real, real soon. Bye.